Well, good evening. My name's Matt, and I'm one of the student ministers here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Uh, and it's my pleasure to be with you this uh, Sunday evening uh, to look with you as we look together at Psalm 8. Uh, so we're taking a break from our sermon series on Luke, and just for tonight we'll be looking at Psalm 8. So it will be helpful if you have your Bible open in front of you uh, as we're going to read through Psalm 8 all over again. Uh, we're going to work out what the psalmist is saying and then apply it to our lives through Jesus. Before we begin, let's pray and ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here tonight. Uh, please be with us by your spirit to give us ears to hear and hearts to understand just how awesome and majestic your name is. And we pray for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, I got the chance to go on a camping trip up to the Northern Territory. Now, it was on this trip I got to experience my first proper nighttime bushwalk. I still remember leaving the campground with all its artificial lights and walking into the dark of the night just with my, just with my measly little torch. And I remember vividly getting to a clearing and turning my torch off and in the darkness looking up and being completely mesmerised by the night sky above me with thousands upon thousands of stars glittering the night sky, more than I could count. Each little pinprint was a sun with its own solar system, a million times larger than Earth. It was an unforgettable moment, reflecting on the immenseness of space, but on the, also on the greatness of our mighty Creator. But as I experienced the enormity of God, as I just gazed into the night sky... I couldn't help but feel so small and insignificant. I wonder for you if you've ever had that experience of feeling so small and insignificant. Have you ever felt the enormity of God as you have gazed at the night sky ahead of you and wondered, why would God care for me? I'm so small and insignificant. Why would God care about me? Well, in Psalm 8, King David, who wrote this psalm, he felt the same way. He wonders why the creator of the universe cares for us. And as he writes this psalm, he looks back to Genesis 1 and 2, to the creation of the world, and shows us why God cares for us. In Psalm 8 tonight, we're going to see that David gives two reasons, two reasons why God is awesome. He says, God is awesome because he created the universe and he created us with a purpose. The psalm begins uh, in the title is listed to the director of music according to Giddith. Now, we don't really know what a Giddith is. Uh, it could refer to a musical tune that perhaps the director of music got the congregation to sing to. It uh, could even refer to a musical instrument or even a ceremonial occasion. But we do know that the psalm is written by David. And the psalm begins by David praising God, specifically praising God's name. Uh, the first Lord in capital letters is David addressing God in his personal name, Yahweh, which in the Old Testament is the divine name for the one true God, the God of Israel. Then he adds the words, our Lord. Our Lord is an address as, to God as king, as ruler, as governor. And so David says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. When you think of something majestic, you can't help but something, think of something so, so grand and imposing and magnificent. 
And the word majesty also implies royalty, something that we still refer to today when we see kings and queens being referred to as your majesty. But by using the word majesty, David reveals that God is the powerful, almighty king over all the earth. David says that God's name is majestic, both in the majesty of how he's revealed himself through what he has done in saving Egypt from slavery in the Exodus and in, in Exodus, but also how he's revealed himself to mankind. So David shouts aloud and praises that God's name is the most majestic name in all the earth. Have a look with me. Psalm 8, beginning of verse 1. Psalm 8, in the beginning of verse 1. For the director of music, according to Giddeth, a psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So David praises God's name because his character and nature has been revealed throughout all the earth. And now David praises God for how he rules over creation. Firstly, he says that David's, firstly, he said that God has set his glory above the heavens. Yet God's power and rule over creation is evident also on earth. And he, and he gives an interesting example of how God shows his power and dominance against his enemies. When people show their power, it's, it's often through might and strength. And unfortunately, sometimes people need to show off by pressing others around them. However, in contrast, the psalmist shows that God's power isn't on the lips of the powerful. God's power and might is shown from the lips of weak humanity, from, from, the, from the lips of children and infants or, or babbling babies. And so, so why is the psalmist saying that these helpless children and babbling babies will silence the foe and avenger? Is it through their cuteness? Well, no. I think it's best to read these verses here uh, as, a, as it's, it's a bit of a metaphor for weak humanity who is totally reliant on God. David is saying that it's through weak humanity who have the name of God on their lips, that is how God is showing his rule and stronghold over creation and ultimately over the force of evil. Have a look with me, Psalm 8, continue in verse 1. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemy to silence the foe and the avenger. So David is saying, regardless of how strong God's enemies are, they can't overcome God's power. And David now shifts the focus. He, he now marvels at the fact that God has an interest in humankind. He, he says, when he looks up, to the heavens above, when he, when he sees the moon, the stars, he marvels of how it's been put together. He says that God is like a, a designer who's designed it with finesse and care. It's like a creative artwork. And as David is mesmerized by the majesty and brilliance of the galaxy, he asks himself the question, why does the majestic creator of the universe, who's so vast beyond our imagination, why would he care for us? We're, we're, we're so tiny and insignificant. We're just a, a tiny speck of dust on an earth in a seemingly infinite universe. And of course, that's true, isn't it? When you compare the size of, of earth to the rest of the galaxy. In February 1990, 
uh, long before most of you were born. Uh, there was a famous photo taken from the Voyager 1 space probe. It should come up now. Uh, where a photo uh, was taken from a record distance of about 6 billion kilometres away. Uh, now, in the image, you can just see the apparent size of Earth is just a pixel. Earth is a tiny dot against the vastness of space. Thanks, Matt. So David rightly asks, why God? Why God do you care for us? Have a look with me in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. So David asks, why? What, 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 what does it... What does the creator of the universe want with us? We're so small. Why are we so special that God cares for us? Well, now in verses 5 to 8, David proceeds to answer that question. He says, God made humanity lower than the angels. That is, while we're made in the image of God, we're not divine. However, we're still important to God. We're, we're, We're valuable and precious to him. And David says that humanity is crowned with honour and glory. And David says being crowned like a king and queen, well, it comes with a purpose. God's role for humanity is to rule over creation and everything in it. We're, We're appointed God's governors over all the land animals, both domestic and wild, all the birds of the air, fish of the sea. God, the great king, appointed humanity to rule over creation and not to be ruled with ruled over it by verse 5 you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor you made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet all the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea all that swim the paths of the seas So David explains why God cares for us. God cares for us because he created us with a job to do, which is to manage and rule over his creation. And now in verse 9, David concludes the psalm just as he started, by praising God's majestic name. Verse 9. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. All right. Well, that's as far as we're going tonight. Can you see what's here? First, David praises God's name. He then says, regardless of how strong God's enemies are, they can't overcome his power. David then marvels at just how, how awesome God is and he wonders why God cares for us. He then explains why God cares for us. God cares for us because he created us with a job to do. And then David finishes the psalm just as he started by praising God's majestic name. All right, well, let's just take a few moments uh, to think about how we can apply this passage to our lives through Jesus. Now, in Psalm 8, David looks back to Genesis 1 and 2 and looks at how humanity was originally created to be like. But because of sin, creation, instead of being subjected to us, fights against us. Instead of being good, wise rulers over creation, we pillage and plunder. And so 
where is the humanity that David speaks of, crowned with honour and glory? Well, in the New Testament, we can see how the original role of man in Genesis 1 and 2 is now fulfilled in Christ. As we see in the opening words of Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Christ is the promised king foretold in the Old Testament, who was a descendant of David and rose from power from the dead. He, he is the one who is now truly king and ruler of this world. Just have a look with me, the opening words of Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, just on the screen above. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, let's have a look now at how Psalm 8 is picked up in the New Testament and also applied to Jesus. In Ephesians 1, Paul uses Psalm 8 to highlight that God has subjected everything to Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead and placed him at his right hand. Jesus is the one who God has given all authority to. Just have a look with me, Ephesians chapter 1, halfway through verse 19 to verse 22, just on the screen, screen above. Verse 19, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and set him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So Paul says that Jesus is the one who God has given all authority to. However, as we think about how this psalm applies, I think, I think Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 9 is the most helpful. Let's have, let's have a look at that. The, the, the author here, in, the author of Hebrews, in verse 5, he makes clear that the angels, isn't, that the angels aren't uh, the ones that God has subjected the world to come. Rather, that God's original plan for humanity as stated by David in Psalm 8, which is reflecting what Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says, was for humanity to be rulers of creation. However, because of sin, the author says he does not see everything subject to humanity at the present time. But everything is subject to Jesus, who, while being fully God, came as a man and who was made lower than the angels for a little while. But because he suffered death, and dealt with the consequences of sin through his death and resurrection once and for all, he is now crowned with glory and honour. And through Jesus, he grants humanity the blessings of the world to come. That is the ability to reign with him in a new creation. Just have a read with me, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 9, just on the screen above again. It is not the angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You've made them a little lower than the angels. You crown them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, 
God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at the present time, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, and now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. God's intention for humanity was originally for humanity to rule over creation. However, this kingship over creation is now fulfilled in Christ, who in defeating sin has opened the way for us to share with him in his reign. And so what does that mean for humanity? What does that mean for us now? Well, for those who put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they'll not only be restored to right relationship with God, and have the promise of eternal life, have the promise to be able to live with him in a new creation. But they'll also be able to reign with Christ in a new creation. They'll be royalty and co-heirs with Christ. How awesome is that? How awesome that is in Christ, Psalm 8 is fulfilled, that we as humanity can be restored back to how God intended us to be, to be able to reign with Christ. And while, like David, we may often feel speechless and look up at creation and think, why would God care about me? Because of Jesus' death and victory over sin, as Christians, we can look forward to reigning and ruling over a new creation with Christ. Something I'm sure we're looking forward to and something that we can ultimately praise God for. And so, friends, how should we respond to this passage? I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? I don't think there's anything to do but to praise God's name and to sit back and say, wow, God, you are really amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word in Psalm 8. We thank you ultimately for your kindness shown to us in sending Jesus Thanks for his life, death, resurrection, for our salvation. Thanks that Jesus is now at your right hand, ruling the universe and interceding for your people as our great high priest. Thank you that because of what Jesus has done, we can, we can look forward to ruling with you and ruling with Christ in the new creation. While we wait for Jesus' return, please by your spirit help each of us to be standing firm in your word and to be living holy lives pleasing to you. We pray for all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.